Stephen Cresham, in 1982, published a book, Principles and Practice in Second Language Acquisition. And on page 27, we find this statement, speaking ability emerges on its own after enough competence has been developed by listening and understanding. So this is part of an explanation of why it is that when small children are exposed to a language, a new language, they very often have a long silent period, then they start to speak, and then they make very rapid progress. And the point here is that what's happened is they've acquired competence through listening and understanding during that silent period, and then the speaking ability appears to just flourish out of nothing, when in fact that silent period is part of the secret. In 1984, J. Marvin Brown set out to, quote, find out what will happen if we hold strictly to this part of Krashen's theory. And what he came up with was initially called listening approach and is now called ALG, automatic language growth. It calls for a silent period of hundreds of hours. No memorizing, no practicing, no speaking, just comprehensible input. And Brown reported that those who stuck to these rules achieved a command of Thai that was better and more native-like than his own, and that they achieved this in less time overall than with other language learning methods. I think that sounds very exciting. But how to try it out? How are you going to hold your nerve through, the, through those hundreds of hours of the silent period? Well, that's partly what I'm trying to do here. I've put together 10 hours of comprehensible input in a tiny constructed language called Tokipona, which only has 120 words. So for sure, 10 hours isn't enough for a silent period even in Tokipona under ALG, but it's at least enough for you to have an appreciation for what your subconscious is capable of when you get CI. So that's the idea. And the challenge is to watch all 10 hours and see what happens. So I am joined by Catherine. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before before we get started with the experiments, I like to ask people what their background is with language and language learning. So uh, what, what would you say your background is? Um, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, I'm technically... I grew up bilingual, um, so I'm, I have two native languages, but the truth is a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I, I was born in Norway and moved to the US when I was two and a half years old and then moved back to Norway at 11. And so I had heard Norwegian in those childhood years up to 11 years old, but it was only my mother speaking Norwegian. We never spoke Norwegian back and it was very simple of home Norwegian, go to bed, brush your teeth, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So when I got back to Norway, I was completely lost in Norwegian. I had the benefit of having the phonology in place, I think, and probably had a, a strong basis in terms of like the structure of the language, but it really felt like I was starting nearly from scratch when I got here. That's, um, that's quite a difficult experience, I think. I've, I've met a number of people who have what you might say a home language like that and of course the accent is perfect and everybody expects them to be very good in the language but they haven't had that broad base of exposure and it's unfair really but the world doesn't understand yeah right yeah so they dropped me in school and it was i mean it, it turned out it was fine um but it the first couple of years were actually kind of a struggle in some ways mm, i see and yeah, so it took me about four years, I would say, to catch up to my peers in Norwegian to where I was getting really good grades in school and you couldn't 
guess that I hadn't spent my whole life in Norway. But yeah, four years is a lot. Even like I came here, I came back at eleven, and um, and most people say that there's that what is the critical period, critical critical period theory. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I believe in it, but eleven is definitely within that critical period. And and even then, it took took several years to really um, find my footing. Yeah, I I don't think that is really surprising under any theory. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, only... a language is kind of a big thing, right? It's, it is. Yeah, it is. It's it is. I like to think of language as like a palace with many rooms. And like the central area of the palace is your home. And then you have different wings of the palace. And this is work or school or education. And if you ask a question, which language do you speak in each room of this palace? It's only really English speakers that can speak the same language in all the rooms. In, right in in this world you know if, yeah. if say you're german in, in 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 the rooms down that corridor over there related to computer programming and the internet there's some english right <laughs> there's definitely english yeah in norway i work as a computer programmer here in norway and uh, uh we speak english at work we our comments in the code are i mean i want to say 99 percent english yeah. Um, when we when we uh, describe code, when we ask others to look at code, it's always always in English, even though most of the people working on it are Norwegian. Yeah, it's um, I have that experience sometimes in Turkish. Um, it just sometimes it's too much work to switch between from one to the other, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, with language learning, um, so you say yeah. you native languages. What other languages have you tried to learn on top of those? Yeah, so after high school, I moved to France. Uh, I had no basis in French. I hadn't studied it in school. I just kind of plopped into a place in Paris. <clears throat> and uh, I wasn't trying to learn French at all, but I was surrounded by people, by French speakers. I mean, some of them were Italian speakers who also spoke French, but but it was, it was largely a, a kind of the perfect immersion environment. Mm. Um, so I... I mean, the, there were a few things that made it perfect. I was taking group classes. So I was at a, a, I was at a mime school, so a mime physical school. theater school. Oh, yeah. that's and so, and so there were group classes and everything that the teacher was saying, I could watch what the other students were doing in response. And I didn't really have to speak mime. And so I that's spent a lot better. of time listening. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and so I was doing, you know, classic ballet, uh, modern ballet, various types of physical theater, acrobatics, fencing, like the whole gamut. And then also hanging out with my, um, the other students in between classes and outside of school, we would just listen to whatever they were, you know, chatting on about. And so within a short amount of time, I could follow quite well what was going on around me and guess and sort of interject little comments here and there eventually, like a word here, a phrase there. Um, but I really didn't, I wasn't trying to learn French and I didn't really start speaking until it felt natural. And I stayed there for seven years. So it was, a, it was like a life language for me. It was, I lived, lived my life in French for seven years. Um, so, um, but, but still, we're still on naturalistic methods, aren't we? It's like yeah. somebody with a programmer's background like yourself, I would imagine just jumping in with grammar books and things. It, it just feels like something that it would be more yeah. natural for somebody with that background to do. But I don't know. 
first with your experience as Norwegian, then with French, it's like you 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 have a lot of personal experience of picking up language. I would say, I would right. say would that be yeah. right? That's yeah, that's correct. And even as a teenager, I was hanging out with refugees a lot and or kids from refugee families. So I was picking up a little bit of Farsi, a little bit of like Serbo-Croatian um, because, again, I wasn't really trying to, to yes. learn it, but I was hearing it. And so there were some words that just kind of clicked into place. So, yeah, I, I think I, I, I was old enough to have a conscious sort of ex, um, a conscious experience or like a being conscious of what the experience felt like like mm -hmm. when you're when you're two years old you probably don't remember what it felt like to acquire your your native language i certainly don't but my mom actually says that when we moved to the u.s i stopped speaking like entirely for a year before i started speaking again so but i don't remember this like i have no recollection of of not speaking or what it felt like but at 11 I do remember that. At 19, I definitely remember what it felt like to not be comfortable speaking until the words were just suddenly there. And when they were there, they weren't, it wasn't like the language was suddenly available in, in its entirety. I was speaking a word here, a phrase there, like really simple sentences. I didn't always know what the exact words meant. I just knew what I was saying meant. So because I was hanging out with people in France, I was hanging out with people who spoke um, a, a sort of very slang heavy French. Um, I was using a lot of slang and I was using it correctly, but I didn't know it was slang until like two or three years later when I started sort of becoming more um, aware of the different registers. Yeah. Yeah. But um, again, that just makes all the sense in the world um, because language is a set it's it's not yeah. it's not it's it, you have to see it as a whole and then registers kind of they're, they're, they're the last stage really it's you've got all these words and now you're yeah. finding out how they all sit together in the same space right it's, yeah yeah, yeah there's some situations where it's just not appropriate <laughs> to use certain expressions <laughs> <laughs> you learn um, this the hard way yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> tough time yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we're uh, English, Norwegian, French. Any more? Right. Uh, yeah. In school, in high school, uh, junior high and high school, I did study German the traditional way. Okay. But I didn't treat it like a language. It was just a topic at school. And so I studied however they told me to study. I memorized. I learned the little grammar rules. And then I wrote my little essays. But it didn't feel like language. It felt like math. It was like the mm -hmm. same thing. It was kind of fine. Um, and so I've never used German. I've never like it's it's never been a language that I've um, felt like I can use to communicate. Right. And then um, and then I took a break from languages for a long time, about twenty years. And then I uh, got kind of burnt out at work and realized that I wanted to do something that was not programming outside of programming because in, in my spare time I was also doing programming. This is a very common experience for programmers. And so I realized that, oh, I want to do something that's not programming outside of outside of uh, work. And I started, I decided that I wanted to learn Korean, kind of on, on a whim. I had been exposed to a little bit of Korean through a friend of mine who's also a programmer. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to learn Korean. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. Mm. Like, I don't know how to do language learning on purpose. Mm. And so 
I started watching all the YouTube videos that tell you how to learn a language. And of course, they're all kind of telling you different things. And I started just trying things. I read Gabriel Weiner's book, Fluent Forever. So I did a lot of clash, uh, flashcards in the beginning, memorizing words, and then got to the point where I, okay, I guess I know words. <laughs> what, what do I do next? Um, Weiner says, that, oh, you, you get a tutor and then you learn sentences and you put the sentences on your flashcards. And so I did that. I got a tutor on italki and I got my, and I recorded the lessons so that I could capture the audio of the, of the sentences and I put them on flashcards and I did the flashcards and I still felt like, like nothing was actually happening. Like it didn't feel the same as previously when I had been acquiring Norwegian and French, it just felt really different. And so it was quite frustrating. And then I came across the video by a TPRS teacher in Orange County, um, how to acquire language, not learn it, how to acquire any language, not learn it, I think. And he spelt, spent a year um, acquiring Arabic using TPRS type uh, methods. Super fun video. He interviewed Krashen. He interviewed a bunch of different TPRS teachers and, and he did, you know, he did really well in a year of, of Arabic. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's how it's going to happen. They're like, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is totally going to work. And so I went back to Italki and tried to find different tut uh, tutors on Italki who could describe pictures to me in Korean. And so I found a couple of tutors that, that I really liked and worked with for, I would say probably about a year. At first, I used to think it was like six months, but I went back and looked at my timeline on italki and it's like, no, it's it's about a year, a, uh, an hour or two a week. And that was better. Like the language started opening up a little bit. It started unlocking things for me, but the teachers always expected me to describe the pictures. And I was like, how am I going to describe the picture? I don't, I don't know Korean yet. <laughs> like you're supposed to describe the picture. And so I was always feeling a little bit frustrated in these lessons but it it kind of worked it started it started working after a year of that i found uh i stumbled across matt versus japan and he was like input doesn't have to be comprehensible <laughs> and he's kind of right but i was like that was mind-blowing and so I, was, I just started watching korean dramas and that was right about when the when the um, pandemic started and so I spent the whole pandemic basically watching Korean dramas in Korean with no subtitles. And it's um, it's a lot slower when the input is so much less comprehensible than when you get actual comprehensible input, but it still works. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's, well, we can talk about this later maybe, but there's a sweet spot between incomprehensible input on the one hand <laughs> and um, <laughs> transparent input on the other i mean in the sense that mm. dprs tends to deal in transparent input which is a subset of comprehensible yeah. input and then you go from that to ajat <laughs> you know all all korean well acat i guess all korean all the time um yeah. and there's there's a little there's a middle ground um which i think is really where alg is sitting um have you um what what's what's your experience with alg yeah so i have two experiences with alg um the first one is that after uh after 2500 hours worth of korean i was like okay this is cool um and i i got pretty far but not to where i was like speaking naturally not to where i was understanding 100 percent of my dramas or whatever 
and uh, and then I stumbled across ALG. I had heard about it. I'd heard about the school in Bangkok and been wanting to go, but with the pandemic, the school had to close and the ALG teachers all went online. And this was my chance. Like I realized that this is this is an opportunity. So I, I dropped Korean for a while. I'm coming back to it, but I dropped Korean for a while and started doing Thai um, from scratch. I had no exposure to Thai. I didn't know anything about the culture, nothing about the language. And, um, and I, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've heard Thai once or twice at a Thai restaurant, I, but I wouldn't have been aware of it. So I was starting really from scratch and I was really excited to see what is this going to feel like um, when I can do the whole process because the teachers are available online. So I did that. I'm, I'm still doing that. Um, I'm 2000 hours in wow. to Thai. <laughs> yeah. And, how, how and then my that? second experience. Oh, yeah. Please continue. My second experience is, is Tokipana, like the, the 10 hours of, of Tokipana that you created. So just quickly, how would you compare your experience of Thai, of, of doing the ALG with Thai compared to what you did with Korean? Oh my gosh. So Thai was way easier. Um, Easy. It just... Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thai was way easier than Korean and not necessarily inherently easier. I think, I think Thai probably is inherently simpler in terms of grammar than Korean is. Like Thai feels like it doesn't really have any grammar. I mean, I'm sure it does. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure Korean is some, highly agglutinative, but... isn't it? I mean, Exactly, like, like Turkish, I, I speak yeah. Turkish, and you know, going like the contrast from Turkish to Tokipana, for example, is just so stark. It's not true. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it feels somewhat similar to going from Korean to Thai, where, where Korean, it's like you have what was it, three hundred nineteen different verb forms that you know, mix and match yeah. to get exactly the right nuance, which is kind of amazing. But also, um, if you're trying to memorize things, it's, it's really it's really hard. Whereas with, with Thai, I'm not really aware of much in terms of grammar. It doesn't seem like things, there aren't very many knobs they have to fiddle with, it seems like. But the, the main thing is that I, I wasn't really trying with, with Thai. I wasn't trying to remember words. If I don't remember a word, it's, a, it's just because I haven't heard it in enough contexts. I haven't been able to triangulate it. It hasn't, it's not completely there yet. Same with grammar. I'm not, I'm not trying I was even trying to avoid knowing anything about Thai explicitly. Like I, I didn't want to know how many tones there were. And of course, at some point I, that was spoiled for me. Like I, someone said how many tones there were and, and now I know, but, um, but I think it was, it's fine. Like I, I was being a little bit extreme in my, like wanting to treat it like an experiment. How, how far can you get without knowing anything about the language? But the, the progress was just so much faster. Mm -hmm. So in 2000 hours of Thai, I'm much, much farther than I was in Korean at that same point. Just the difference is, is enormous. So um, my current, where I am right now, I would put that down to the nature of the input you were getting, being intentionally yeah. comprehensible in the sense of work, being able to follow the story, work out what's going on, Whereas with a yeah. with a K drama, uh, you obviously you don't know what's going on in the scene, right? So it's incomprehensible input. So as you said, the, the grammar for Thai is easier, but I think the progress, I would guess, is more attributable to the comprehensibility of the input you were getting. Would you agree? 
Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I like on Refold, Refold.LA is a website that sort of helps people who haven't been into immersion type learning uh, approaches with languages um, start their start their journey. And they're really focused on how do you do it when there is no comprehensible input. That's my, that's my take on Refold is like, how do you hack your way to a comprehensibility when there is no comprehensible input? And they do a really good job of it. And one of the things that they have is a comprehensibility scale um, that is is really nice. It's like you can get the gist of something or you can understand the story, but not a lot of the nuance. And what I found with with the with Korean is when I was starting with the dramas, it was at the point where I could kind of figure out what the story was about. And that was maybe just about it. Um, and with like the ideal point for comprehensible input is that you can follow along the whole time even if you're not getting details. Yeah. And I find that like my my comprehension grows so fast when I can follow along, even if I'm not getting the details, I still know the whole time what's going on more or less in the story. Like when, when it's just kind of, oh, two people are talking and maybe there's a disagreement about a contract, I think. <laughs> like that's not very helpful for, for language acquisition. I mean, it, it works eventually, but it's really, really slow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Thanks very much for that. I mean, it's it's fascinating to interview somebody like you because you've really had all of you, you've really tried everything. I think. I mean, you you had uh, the experience of natural acquisition as a child, just at the point where you're old enough to consciously recognize what's going on. At this, and and you've also had that experience of German, the traditional uh, approach, um, and then with the various kind of input heavy methods. I think it's really uh, fascinating to talk to somebody like you who has really experienced everything. It feels like you've tried it all. <laughs> um, so. I, I feel like I haven't given um, I haven't given traditional methods a, an honest college try. What is, what is that? What, there's an expression. Like I, I feel like I haven't really given traditional methods a, a solid effort. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe the. Um, the, the reason this kind of thing is helpful is for that there are many people out there who have tried a lot of traditional methods and have gotten very frustrated and disappointed with them and they think it's something wrong with them mm. and there is a whole school of thought out there comprehensible comprehension input that side of things that says that kind of method isn't supposed to work anyway mm. it's not you it's not yeah. your fault you know try this input approach and maybe you'll see for yourself that actually you're good at languages after all. So um, yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who are giving those methods a fair shake, I have to tell you. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, I, I, I take your point. Um, but hey, I think um, nobody, nobody uh, has the whole elephant, right? Um, right. You know that um, story about the blind men and the elephants and one, one's got the tusk and one's got, one's got the tail and you know it's a tree I, I, it's a wall yeah, yeah it's a rock that's, that's yeah. the point of conversation isn't it yeah yeah okay so uh on to the experiment um just to verify your uh deviation from baseline as i like to call it just for the sake of science for science um before you started watching the videos did you know any tokipona i didn't even know what tokipona was I mean, aside from somebody said it's a conlang, or it, I think it said in your intro, it's it's a conlang. That's all I knew about Tokipona. All right. 
Um, the <clears throat> sorry, the, the baseline experiment is you watch one video a day for 30 days, and the first thing we do after that is have this interview. Um, what was your trajectory? So for the first 30 days, I did watch one video a day, basically. There was one day where I forgot, and then there were a couple of days where I'd watch a video in the morning, and then in the evening I was like, eh, I'll have another video. So I think maybe I did it in 27 or 28 days. Right, okay, yeah. okay. And um, I think there's been some uh, gap in time since you finished and we've been able to have this interview, isn't there? Um, yeah, this happened? is where the deviation happened. Okay, go <laughs> there on. There was a bit of deviation. We had we had a two-week two gap. And so after I finished, I took a few days off and then I watched the first video again. Right. Um, and I had to speed it up to 1.5. Otherwise, it was so slow that my mind just went all over the place and couldn't <laughs> focus on the video. Um, and this was fantastic uh, because I realized that I understood everything the first time. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember liking the story. Like, the first video was one of my favorites, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Even the first first time around. Uh -huh. But the second, watching it the second time at 1.5 speed and realizing that, no, I got basically every detail of that story the first time, even though I had no language. Like, I remember how exhausting it was to watch the first video because the language was just sounds. I couldn't make head or tail of anything. Um, so that was a really nice experience. And then every every few days in the past two weeks, I would blitz through a, a few more videos in 1.5. So I've actually watched the whole playlist at 1.5 also. All right. Okay. Right. So that would that's not 20 hours. No, it's not. It's 16. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yes. There you go. Programmer, <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, you know the figure. So um... <laughs> all right. Um, but that's fine. So essentially, you haven't studied any Tokipana at all. No, it, yeah, no, I've not looked up like any that. of the words or, or at, like looked at any of the grammar. I've avoided sort of all the resources. I re I listened to one podcast where it was an interview with Sonia Lang because it seemed like she wasn't actually going to tell you anything about the language itself. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right then. So let's give it a go. Um, what I usually do is ask people to prepare like a, a two or three line conversation starter beforehand i can't remember if i asked you to do that um nope have something <laughs> i have something but I, right. it's not i didn't i didn't prepare any uh anything spoken what i did is i brought a few pictures that i thought maybe we can just talk about yeah. in okipona all right yes um, fine let's let's do right. that cool you want to share let's screen see. oh yeah i'm gonna need to share screen all right let me just allow you to do that um okay there we go all right sure now let's see if i can figure out uh oh the meeting's gonna end in a sec it's okay we can connect again we... okay um are you let's I can see. see it yeah can you see a big picture uh, or just no. a small picture i can see a small picture inside the maybe i can make it is that better? Can you see it yes, bigger I think now? Yes, that's fine. Yes. Okay. All right. All right, let's go. Sinakentoki. Soelini liseme. Soelini liseme. Soelini mila. Soelini li soeli walo. Toki. Soeli 
mila soli nili soli walo kaso soli nila li seme ah long long soli nili soli pimea kaso nasin pi soli ni li sama nasin pi soli walo and soli nili seme Il est soit les picoule mouté. Soit les picoule mouté. Soit les ni, et soit les ni, et soit les ni. Nassin les sama. Non. Nassin les sama. Nassin les sama. Ligne, puis soit les ni. Les seli. Jan kepeken linja pi soeli ni palie len seli pi tempo lette. Lon, 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 lon. Nila nimi pona li seme. Nimi pona tawa soeli ni li seme. Sinala nimi pona li seme. Mila Soeli pilinia seli. Soeli pilinia seli. Pona. Pona. Nili pona tawami. Sina sona. Toki pona la. Sina lukine io. Sina toki io ni. Nili nimi ala. Nili pilin. Pona. Nili seme. Soeli... Tulilon. Pakala. Soeli ni li soeli pilinia seli. Soeli pilinia seli tulilon. Soeli ni li awen Tan seme. Mi o toki ano seme. Mi pilineni lipul lilon, yani palisa lilon ni, pini pi palisa nila sitelen, pi tomotawa lilon. Mi pilineni soelitu ni li awen tan ni tomotawa likama, soelini li wile tawa kepeken tomotawa ni. Ni li wile tawa tanseme. Mi sonala. Ni li soeli, ni li yanala. Yan li ni. Soeli ni li tawa tomo pali anu seme. Ala. Soeli ni li tawa... Tomo kalama kalama musi. So so elini li kalama musi la kalama li seme lon kalama I will always love you. 
That's that's very good. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Let me un unshare here. No, that's fine. Can you make me host again? Oh, um, are you? How do I do well, that? Maybe I can reclaim it. Just a second. Yeah, no, that's fine. I've got it. Okay, good. Okay, let's see if I can get the thing back. Um, that's very, very good. That's very good. And that was very fun. Thank you for doing that. I, th I think that's that that um, made it a bit different and made it fun. And uh, that that was great fun. Yeah, thanks for doing that. So what did we talk about? Let's let's just do that for anybody listening who doesn't speak Tokipana. What were we talking about just now? So the first thing was context setting. What are we looking at? We're looking at an animal. How are we going to talk about this animal? What are we going to call this animal? And the first natural sort of name that comes to mind is the white animal. Yeah. Um, and so I knew this, having seen your videos, I knew that the natural name for it, the animal was probably going to be a white animal. So I had prepared ahead of time and brought a black sheep. And I was very curious to know whether you were going to call it a soiliwalopimia or a soilopimia. <laughs> like just in the context of if this, if we stick with the same name, are we then going to just add um, modifiers to the name or are we going to actually negotiate about the name? Yeah. And I asked you yeah. what you think is a good name mm. and, and, and yeah. came up with a good one. I, I it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went with like, because we use sheep mostly for um, the wool and for making clothing for when, when the weather is cold, I suggested um, the animal that has warm fur, yeah. I guess. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. very, very good. And, <laughs> and then we had a story at the end. <laughs> about sheep at the bus stop going to a karaoke there you go <laughs> yeah it's um yeah that was that was great fun thank you very much for putting that together that's 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 quite something thank you very much for doing that um i i think um the 16 hours i think the difference between 10 hours and 16 hours of course actually it's watching the whole bit the whole thing again twice so basically it's the same material twice it's double yeah um, yeah um i'm interested to know what you think about uh coming back to alg again now um mm. i've guesstimated that the sweet spot for the silent period as proposed by alg for tokipana is probably more like 50 hours yep i would say that right now at, if we call it 20 hours mm -hmm. i am at the point where speaking starts emerging like right i i'll i'll be i'll be going about my day and then there'll be a thing and i'll be like oh kepikin right. <laughs> kepikin what kepikin the thing <laughs> um, or whatever um and so it's it's just there which is what it feels like when you start speaking with alg it's just mm. there but it, it it like when it emerges it doesn't emerge fully formed and so there's a there's a fairly long period where it's still kind of in the process of emerging and i think that with most people there's an experience of like it it emerges sort of sparsely and then there's a floodgate that opens at some point and i i would guess maybe that the floodgate could open at around 50 hours for tokipana okay yeah that's that's interesting because thing is I, I i i can't do 50 hours 
I'm sorry, I just can't. Uh, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. So, you know, it was a pa pandemic but, project, really. But, you know, it's... But with this, you wouldn't need the drawings anymore. Like, if you had a podcast where people were um, speaking and providing, like, being mindful of providing extra context, like, not moving on super quickly, I think people could follow without drawings really well, because most of the words are in place, and probably most of the grammar as well. Well, I mean, I'd be very... um very happy for somebody to take that torch and run with it. Me too. <laughs> I'm really hoping somebody will. Yeah, okay. So uh, what I'd like to do now uh, is just to, to wrap up, um, ask you a couple of questions about um, your takeaways from, from this experience. Has, when, I mean, you're somebody who has a lot of experience with natural kind of learning methods anyway, especially ALG. So has doing this challenge um opened anything up to you has it changed anything for you in your perspective have you taken anything from it or has it just been fun i mean it's mostly been fun i will admit it's mostly just been for the fun of it um i realized through doing this challenge like okay so when i when i've been doing thai there's so much content that i've never really rewatched anything I've never like re done repeated watching, which I know a lot of people like to see things again, because I think maybe they might be worried about having missed something. And I've never been worried about that. There's more, more where that came from. Yeah. But I rewatched everything in this playlist and I don't usually do that. So that was a new experience for me. And what I discovered was that mostly it wasn't worth it. Um, I actually discovered watching the first time as well that the stories that um, I knew ahead of time, like the hare and the tortoise or the sun and the wind, I didn't enjoy those videos as much because I knew where they were going. I knew what the story was. And so I preferred stories like the first one, like the first video where I, I had no idea what was um, what was going to happen or the Ilokute um, Lili was, I think, my yeah. favorite story. Because I didn't know this. I didn't know about the backstory of it. And, and so I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And re-watching, there were only two videos where I felt like I got something new out of watching them. Um, and I can't remember exactly what which ones they were. I have notes, so if you want to know, I can I can tell yeah. you. But um, but there were out of the it's 30 videos. Out of the 30 videos, there were only two videos where I felt like I got something out of watching them again, and that's because they were probably placed um, so that they were a little bit too hard for me mm, in the okay. first, when I was first going through it. Gotcha. Were they the fables? Were they from the fables or the uh, modern era stuff? Um, one of them was a fable. I think it was like number eight. Okay. video seven or eight or nine something fairly early and then one of the modern era ones was actually quite hard and i realized upon re-watching it that it was hard partly because i don't understand um the economic uh like there there's a mechanism <laughs> that i don't understand in english like i don't know anything about it and so uh so i was a little bit lost about the mechanism of, yeah credit of how swaps in Techipana in mm. 20 minutes is is pushing it <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> um, oh, right. yeah. yeah well that's interesting thank you very much for that feedback as well mm. is there anything that you would do differently yourself if, if it was you and you wanted to give somebody um, a first-hand experience of how this kind of process works how would you what would you do differently? yeah 
I personally wouldn't use fables, um, but that I think is a personal choice. Like I, again, it's it's going back to the the thing where the fables are so well known that it's um, it's going to be I I think less compelling because you know where the story is going. There's there's less surprise, and I probably would have done more concrete stories in the beginning. Like when I was learning with with Thai, the Thai teachers, they have um, they have topics that are beginner topics. They don't have um, they don't use stories until upper beginner level. They have topics that are for beginners that are are much more concrete. Um, and I think I would probably um, lean towards using more concrete content in the very, very beginning. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I accept both of those criticisms. Uh, just, um, just to bounce things off you. Um, the fable thing mostly came from story listening, actually, because the actual mm. thing that I'm using is story listening. And uh, fables are recommended because of their comprehensibility. Um, and as you say, the compelling side of things, I mean, it's it's more compelling than other things you could think of, perhaps. But when you already know where the story's going, I, I agree with you that um, there needs to be some kind of surprise. And it's interesting. I mean, you'll know um, about um, Shannon's take on information as a kind of surprise, a measure of surprise. And where do we have the surprise? It's it's difficult, actually, because I need to give you enough context so you can understand what's going on. So the words themselves need to not be too surprising, if you see what I mean. Otherwise, right. you're not going to be able to work out what's going on. On the other hand, there does need to be a surprise somewhere, which is where the story is ultimately going. So um, the other thing you were saying about um, more concrete things, that's something I also thought of. I use ChatGPT um, because I'm also thinking of doing story listening with zero beginners. It's my grandparents. Nice. Try and teach them to yeah. story listening, but we'll see. Um, and I was I asked ChatGPT specifically for good stories for story listening with zero beginners. And what I got from that was things like the kid wants to go outside. And I thought, well, yeah, you could tweak that a little bit. He wants to go outside. He opens the door. It's blowing a gale and it's cold. So he closes the door. And he, instead of his T-shirt and shorts, he puts on something warm. Right, and yeah. he goes out and has a nice walk. And it's it works as a, as a beginner story. It's concrete. It's visual. And there's a story. And there's a surprise. And it's you don't know where the story's going. But it's nothing exactly. too out of the ordinary. I think it's it's a very difficult balance to strike. But it can be struck, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's really tricky. You did really, really well with all the gestures and the drawings and like everything you did made it so comprehensible. Like I was saying, the first video I knew no, I, I didn't know anything about Tokipona. I'd never heard a word of Tokipona and it still was completely comprehensible. Oh, that's cool. Thank you very, very much. Um, yeah, it's funny. Some uh, were put off by that one. Um, like you say, I would have been better off starting with something more concrete. I'll take that. Um, on the other hand, I think it makes a big difference if you know and you accept that uh, you don't need to understand what each of the words is doing in a sentence. I think that's. I a think very that's the key block that many people. I, have. I think that yeah, I think that if people are struggling with the first video, it's because they think that they need to understand words. Yeah. And and then it takes a few videos to get over that, and by the time they're over it, they've forgotten why they didn't like the first video or the experience of the first video. Yeah, 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 that's quite, that has happened with quite a, quite a few. 
so yeah anyway i i like i say i'm i'm not an expert on any of this i'm a translator i'm not a language teacher or um, acquisition researcher or anything it just seems like a useful piece of the puzzle to give people a first-hand experience of how you know even if you don't understand the words there's something going on there you know it is it is being used and the key is that it's comprehensible on the message level um yeah so i, I mean know. the experience I, I would say that the experience does show that it, mm. in my notes um it took it took seven days worth of videos seven videos to get to the point where the sounds were starting to start from start feeling familiar i was able to mostly um split words mm -hmm. like uh recognize word boundaries yeah so that took about seven days okay. and then it took another two more weeks so by day 21 there was the shift had happened where it feels like a language i'm listening and it feels like i'm getting messages from just listening and i'm not i'm not having to do any work the things that I understand, I understand, and it feels like a language. Like that point in Thai must have taken 150 hours, I think. Okay. Um, That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Nice, nice. Very good. Thank yeah. you very, very much for coming on and for sharing your experience and for having a chat in Tokipona. I, I did. That was that was very unique. That was that was wonderful. Thank you very much. That, that was super yeah. fun. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Ah, All right. Is, is there anything you'd like to add to finish up with? Any. In anything that you think would be interesting? I think that if anyone is wondering if they should learn Spanish or uh, Thai or Mandarin or Arabic or any other language using ALG, I think they should do your challenge first to mm -hmm. get a sense of what the road is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Like practice listening, um, practice understanding through guessing through mm -hmm. like all the gestures and the drawings and the pictures and the mm -hmm. sounds like practice guessing from context because that's most of the work that you're going to do when you're acquiring through through ALG yeah. but it just takes a lot longer in the other languages and so having that practice having an idea ahead of time I think is really really valuable okay thanks very much for that no that's that's, that's good to good to know okay so um if you would like to watch these videos yourself, dear viewer or dear listener. And then all you need to do is go over to YouTube and search for the abbreviation OPETP, which stands for Opinina Tokipana, which is what the course is called. And if you would like to take the challenge yourself and come on the show and share your thoughts and have a chat in Tokipana yourself, then the address for that is bit.ly slash 30DCIC, standing for 30-day comprehensible input challenge. Thanks very much, Katrin. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>